0: Hey, everybody, before we get started today, I would love to ask you to check out our website. It is now live at www.weeklywealthpodcast.com.
1: This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we
0: discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Welcome to today's episode. I'm really excited to have Sharon Lee of Fearless Pursuits on today. Sharon's going to talk to us about our future selves and just some really exciting concepts that can help help us to be our best selves. So Sharon, it's great to have you on the on the, on our episode today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your company.
1: Well, I I think we all throw labels on ourselves. You know, we we attach things like I'm a mom, I'm a woman, um, I'm I'm a business owner, but I think it goes much deeper than that. Um, I really feel like I have a responsibility to teach all of the women in the world out there how to make more money, how to actually find out to have that freedom that they want, but also to go after their dreams. But we realize that our dreams go deep. Our dreams are about our relationships. They're about our health, our fitness. And we realize that when we think about those things, it has everything to do with our habits, our rituals, our beliefs around ourselves, our beliefs around our money. And knowing that we have to be an entrepreneur or... I should say and or we have to invest. So when we talk about wanting to contribute beyond ourselves, we know that we need money. When we feel like we want to contribute in a way that takes up our time, we know that we need money. We have to do that through entrepreneurship or um, investing. And having that nine to five is kind of difficult unless you do invest, right? And then in that way, we do have the money to live the lifestyle we want and have all of our dreams come true. So I'm a proponent of going deep into creating those those dreams and that's what fearless pursuits is all about essentially it's it's creating that life around your business around your career as if your life depends upon it because that's that's where it stops people they will only do just so much before they get tired and they say this is too hard but that's just a mindset it doesn't have to be hard if you really want something bad enough like your your love your spouse your partner you'll do what it takes if you want that lifestyle that money you'll do what it takes and that's what fearless pursuits is all about and that's really my obsession my responsibility with the world
0: well and i can see the obsession uh that, that you have with it and your excitement so that's that is really exciting for me um and i think to start with why you know whenever you have a why you can do anything we can do anything Um, But if it's just, you know, if there's no deeply rooted reason, then it's really tough to uh, tough to do the hard, difficult things. So one of the words that you mentioned is responsibility. So how does, you know, talk to us about your responsibility to yourself, my responsibility to myself and and how that translates and helps us to 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 achieve our goals for the reasons that are important to us.
1: Well, Responsibility is one of the things that goes deep when we're talking about our money. First of all, Um, if we have these dreams, we want to make money, we want to have a certain lifestyle, we have to take responsibility for the last $25 that we have. And I've been homeless. I've, I've lived in poverty for many, many years. So that was one of those things that was really difficult for me to take responsibility for who I was, for who I was being. But isn't that
0: judgmental how- if I say you're homeless and it was your fault? Because is, is that in, in essence what you were saying? You, it was your fault that you were homeless? It
1: absolutely was in a sense. So, you know, going deeper on that, I mean, it was not my fault that I was in a very dysfunctional family and I was a young girl who was abused in so many different ways. Um, That was not my fault. Right. It was my responsibility that I made a choice one day to pack up everything that I could in my little pillowcase at 13 years old and leave a house and live in a field, you know, to be homeless, to live on the streets and not know where my food was, you know, I could, I could play the victim and say that it was my parents, it was my family, it was life, you know, that really caused this to happen to me. And, you know, yeah, I, I did for a little while because I was I was sitting there thinking, you know, what's going to happen to me? And you have that little pity party and then you get down on your knees and you pray to God, you know, because I think that's what we do when we're in dire straits. Everybody's got to get down on their knees, right? It's like when, when they finally do like have this come to Jesus moment, whatever it is that you believe. But it, it was like. It took me a while to realize that it was my responsibility and it wasn't until that moment I was digging in a garbage container so it was one of those big uh, garbage dumpsters right outside of Kentucky Fried Chicken and this gal walks out an employee walks out and she sees that I'm digging and she says hey (laughs) like that. I'll never forget it. This rush of hotness came over my body. I thought for sure I was in trouble and I was going to be like hauled away in a police car or something. And I I didn't say anything to her. I just looked at her. She turned and walked away and I just went about my digging to find food (laughs) and she comes back with a bag and she just made this ruffling sound with, with the bags and she put them down. And she says, You don't have to do this. Wow. I know. It was it was very powerful for me. And I remember Was I'll that never it? Did it. she
0: just walk away or did she She did. Wow. She walked
1: away. She gave me my dignity. Sure. And I looked across the street. There was a gas station. I saw the people pumping their gas. They're having this normal life with their cars. And for a moment, I saw my future. There I was. I'd been homeless already for a couple of weeks, wondering what the heck was going to happen to me. Mind you, I'm going and uh, showering at the uh, the truck stop, getting on a bus every day, going to high school, and no one knew what I was going through. And I was in this major depression and in that moment when she gave me my dignity and i saw this normalcy of life all of a sudden i thought to myself i don't have to live this way because that's what she said to me and all of a sudden i i started thinking about what was possible and i i said okay this is where i am and i have food and I have got to figure out how I'm going to get out of this. And I knew then at that moment I had to take responsibility for what I had done. I mean, yeah, I ran away from a bad situation. Well, but let me
0: let me let me jump in there. Um not to downplay your situation, but many 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 people are in bad situations. Mm-hmm. Why did you leave and why do some people not leave?
1: So, many years of my research in my business knowing that the entrepreneurs that come to me, they want to grow their business. They want to have better relationships. The one thing that we know just because they're an entrepreneur and they want to make money and they want to have a certain lifestyle does not take away from the fact that they are human. They're human first and everything just melds together. So over time, I had to do a lot of research in my life to figure out, why i was doing the things i was doing how i was going to be able to grow through my research and everything that i have learned people do things from one of two reasons one is pain and the other is pleasure so in my case i had had enough of the pain I struggled so much with the abuse um, and I just wasn't going to take it anymore. And that's exactly what happens with people. When they have had enough of the pain, they will make a change. And likewise, when someone is looking at a certain pleasure, oh, they dream about the money, they dream about the lifestyle, then they will make that leap. They're just, they're keeping their eye on this pleasurable place, this thing that they want. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two ways that humans will make a change. And it's not their fault because this is the way that we're wired in our brain because our brains are glucose hogs. It takes a lot of energy to, for our brains to function. So our brain has a way of Keeping us safe by keeping the energy very low—it's something called homeostasis. Our whole body does that. It wants to seek um, just the same level of existence that we have. And so, when you are pushing to do something different, it's hard for your body to change. So, it's not our fault that we do that. And that's why we have these—the the primitive brain, if you will—that right. helps us to make these hard decisions. And that's, you know, if if the fire is hot get out don't touch it out, right, right? Uh, i'm trying to so, think
0: of the tony robbins quote that i heard and it was something to the effect of the most dangerous place to be is comfort because there's not enough there's not enough pain to uh to pr- to uh prompt a change and of course when you're kind of just cruising and and nothing's really bad but nothing's really great there's not a an uh you're not starving to death, so you don't really strive for greatness. So, and that's where I think a lot of people are. I'm going to wake up at, get to work at nine, clock out at five, and yeah, I'm not starving to death. I'm not, yeah. you know, but that's but
1: mediocrity. That, that's <laughs> mediocrity,
0: and that's you know, when you're on your deathbed at eighty, you look back and say, yeah, I had a good life, but I didn't have a great life, and maybe there was more I could have done.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I use something called the eulogy exercise with a lot of my clients because we realize that, you know, if they're really wanting to level up in their life. And level up could mean anything. It, it could be just that they're they're able to find more balance. They're able to feel more fulfilled in life. They're able to feel more passion. They're able to actually follow through on some of the, their goals. Uh, have a better relationship. Uh, make more money. Whatever it is, the thing is, is that they realize they have to do a lot of figuring out. So the eulogy exercise is literally where you sit and hover over yourself. And, and think to like the Christmas story for a second. You remember the three ghosts, right? So the, ter- the, the two ghosts that visited Ebenezer Scrooge, they didn't make any transformation. You remember the story where the first ghost came and the second ghost came and Ebenezer was just the same way. But it wasn't until the third ghost came of Christmas future where he showed Ebenezer his future. He showed him his tombstone and there they were and we see it we've seen this movie so many times we see the look on his face and he realizes that he had an awful life he didn't touch anybody's life he had had nothing he he wasn't even happy and this is what we have to do we literally have to move forward into the future as we're hovering over our grave looking out and seeing who is at our funeral is there anyone at our funeral what have i accomplished in my life did i change any anything what are the people saying about me Mm -hmm. and then you say if not then you have to find out what you have to do to change in your life in order to actually have those things happen and it's an eye-opening experience for people
0: yeah, well, and it's—I think it's really scary how we can cruise through life and cruise through one day, two days, a year, five years, and you know things happen to our bodies. You know, you gain a, a, a half pound, a quarter of a pound a week—you don't notice that. A few years from now, you—it's a good chunk more, and that's just from cruising through. And, it, and that's it's, because it's people don't tough. have
1: standards. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, no question about that. So how have your relationships, how do they affect us? How, may, are there any relationships maybe that helped you to dig out of that? Uh, seems like a pretty deep hole. Talk to us about relationships and how important they are to us.
1: So when I think of relationships, what comes to my mind is the relationship I have with myself, the relationship I have with my hopes and dreams, and the relationship I have with money. And I think of my relationship with money as being really critical because it's a tool. It it doesn't have any feelings. You know, it, money is neutral, right? It's not good or it's bad. It's a tool. But it's the tool that helps me live the life I want. So, my relationship with money is something I work on all the time. I love money. I'm good with money. I, I the, But isn't that I,
0: greedy and bad to say I love money? Or isn't that what society would tell you?
1: Society would definitely tell us that it is greedy uh, to some some people in society, but the thing is that we have to realize is that when we want to do something better in this world, we need money. So like what I do with my kids, for example, for Christmas, we donate to um, like Africa, for example, and we give water and chicken and rice you know a live chicken right and it's it's something that surprises a lot of people when i I tell them that i'm getting my children involved with buying live chickens and fresh water to other other countries other cultures right and it's because i want my kids to have a relationship with money that is of giving Mm -hmm. i i did believe When I was younger growing up, I was very, very poor. And I did believe that rich people were bad. I watched Gilligan's Island, remember? The the howls? Absolutely. And you know, we always thought that they were not nice. I mean, look at Gilligan. He was just so nice, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be more like Gilligan? He's, he's the nice guy. But then we, we look at the howls and they're just looking down at their nose, you know? And, and you get this idea as you're growing up that money is bad. But when you do... <laughs> really learned that there's a lot of really amazing, wonderful, rich people out there who are donating a lot of their money to causes i you know pink even just donated some money and she's she's out there you know doing her thing and living the life and really impacting a lot of people's uh lives uh with her music but also with her money so look at bill gates you know he's a philanthropist we can think of lots of other people who are very happy who are not greedy and we realize that that is just not true right Right. So that, and I think patient-
0: the term like billionaire has become de- derogatory now, <laughs> and I don't. Not very many people make it to to extreme wealth mm-hmm. without providing a lot of value to the world. Now there are people that lie and cheat to get there, and there's an exception to every. But um, you know, Microsoft provides a lot of value. Um, think about where we would be without computers.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: why Bill Gates have billions of dollars, and I don't.
1: <laughs> yeah you
0: know, I, and that's that's just the way it is you know
1: well and that's why I work with money mindset because uh, you know that's the that is so true with you know some people that come to me they've been at this pro this amount of money that they are, they have in their bank account. They just can't seem to break it. It's like the ceiling. And it's because they do have a money mindset, just like what you're talking about. You know, when we were growing up and we we're thinking about salespeople, for example, salespeople are slimy, right? And so we come up with all of these things because of stories that we heard told to us. And so we just own everything. And this is why it's so important for us to learn what's really true. Right, So all of these things, money is just, it has no feelings. It's just completely neutral until we decide it means something. And then that's where we have a feeling about it. And then an action that we do or don't do. And the outcome ultimately is not necessarily what we want, which is why we struggle. And why I say having a relationship with yourself and your money is so critical, because we are never really going to live the life we want if we're not being truly honest with the relationship with ourselves and with our money.
0: Well, I can think of a few people that I that, that I have in my life, and they would... Just about everybody they describe, they will talk about that person, they have a lot of money, or that person, they don't have a lot of money. And there's always this kind of equating, and I think there's some deep down jealousy maybe it's that judgment. some people have more more money. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, like you said, it's neutral, it's a tool, but that's, that's all that it is. But I do think that we we can all limit ourselves by how much... How much we have by a lot of our a lot of our mindsets uh, for sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, think about when they're saying that. When they're saying that's a lot of money. I mean, it's it's sort of a judgmental statement, isn't mm-hmm. it? It is. And that's what we do because it was a thought that ran across their mind. It's just a bunch of words. If we can like really focus in on that, it's just a bunch of words. They have no feelings until we decide they do, and we decided that hey, that's just a lot of money. Hmm, I don't know well, about that.
0: And if we decide, let's say, you have significantly more money than I do, then I have to deep down say, you know what? She's providing more value to the market than I am, which makes me less valuable. Or I could say that you got your money because you're a bad person who's greedy and you lie and cheat. So, you know, and more than likely, you got your money by providing a lot of value and and and, and that's the way that it works. So it is. It is money is very psychological and it's very behavioral. Mm, it really is. Sure.
1: And in both cases that you just explained, we're judgmental for you, for you in this hypothetical scenario to say, well, you know, she's got a lot more money. So she must be putting more value out and I'm not is a judgmental statement. We go into comparisonitis, which keeps us down. And likewise, you know, when, you know, when someone has a lot of money, we just seem to judge ourselves that we're not as good as they are. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think men especially, we do judge ourselves, Uh, By who perceives perceivingly has more money? There's no question, and I don't I I don't know if women do that as well, but I think men definitely, you know, status symbols are are important to a man's self worth. Foolishly, but but I think it's a fact. So
1: it is, and it's called not enough itis.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I I can see that for sure. So when I look at This concept of future self, that's kind of fascinating because it seems like it gives some more motivation for for me or for you to make some uncomfortable changes or do things that are not necessarily easy. So how do you work with clients and talk about the future self concept?
1: So there's been a lot of research done on future self. And... It really is like brainwashing. So we think of children, much like myself, uh, for example, when I was younger. You know, obviously, you know, living in abuse. I was very um, stressed out, I was very overwhelmed, I had a low self-esteem, low self-confidence, I was dirty, kids made fun of me, Um, so I didn't think too highly of myself, I was not stupid at all, but I was in the special needs classes, and the only reason why, I didn't want to do the work, I was depressed, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, you know, you sent a homework home with me, and the last thing I want to do is sit down and do it. I just want to escape. I just want to you know, go and do something that just gets my mind off of everything. And then so I returned back to school and I didn't do my homework and they just think I'm stupid. And you know, so I'm with the kids that are a special needs. So over time, this is what I learned. It's learned helplessness. It's, it's, it's learned um, dumbing down. And so this is what I thought was me. That was the label who I was, and I didn't know that I could have anything better. So then again, you know, learning everything that I had to throughout the research of these many decades, I have studied the self-image. The self-image is so critical when we think about what is possible for us and if we can do it or not. So we have to move into who we want to be, right? And what sorts of actions does that person have in order to be that person? What sorts of thoughts does this person have to have to achieve what it is that they're achieving? And before we talked about standards. So this is really the crux of it all. It's, you know, like, let's take weight loss, for example. I love using weight loss. I'm very passionate about health and fitness. And we realize that there's a lot of people that struggle with their, their weight. There's a lot of people that struggle with eating vegetables over like um, noodles, for example. Obviously, they're both carbohydrates. One's going to be a higher quality than the other. And they made a decision. I don't like spinach. I don't like eating vegetables, right? Um, spinach uh, is not as enjoy, enjoy and it. I don't enjoy it as much as I do uh, spaghetti with cheese on it. I mean, who would, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Of course, mm-hmm. so it, but we decide that that's who we are. I just can't do that. I've tried before. I've tried to lose the weight before. I just can't. I've tried to eat the vegetables. I just can't. This is just who I am. And so we turn to accept that part of ourselves because it's too painful otherwise. Remember, we were talking about pain. And so when we look at something that we want to do, and somebody we want, we would rather be a different version of ourselves. And we look at the actions that it would take to do that. Oh, that's too hard. So like business, for example, now we're, we're in the digital age and a lot of people are taking their businesses online. I'm a business growth expert online. And a lot of people are saying, this is just too hard. And, you know, that's just a mindset. It but is. what we mm-hmm. have to do is we have to figure out who you want to be what actions you have to take to get you there? How do you have to think every day, right? What feelings do you have to feel? What sort of standards and habits? And the feelings is something that's interesting to get into because it has been poo-pooed over the years as being very touchy-feely. The thing that we have to really understand is that our feelings always come from a thought. If we, we feel like, like sales because we're in business and we, we sell. And the thing is, is that people say, that's slimy, that's sleazy, that's salesy, right? And that's a mindset. What is salesy anyway, right? Pushy. Right. If you want to sell what you have, then you have to behave completely differently. You have to know how to talk to your ideal clients. You don't have to be pushy, right? So it's just a mindset, it's a standard, it's, it's routines and habits of ways of thinking so that you can feel more dynamic, you can feel more proud of what it is you do, instead of feeling bad and feeling like nobody wants what I have and you're shrinking and you're hiding. Well, but don't
0: you think profits. if you feel like nobody wants what you sell, you need to be selling something different? Like it's very obvious, you're very passionate about your message. You probably, you know, maybe if there's a really unhealthy product, you probably would not do a very good job of selling that product Correct. It's something yeah. you didn't believe in. Um, but you would also have to make that decision of, you know what, this is outside of my morals and I'm not selling this product. And I think that's part of the, you know, the responsibility to yourself as well. It is. Yeah. So going to the future self, I'm not sure if you've ever heard the story that Darren Hardy, uh, the editor of Success Magazine he wrote like a three-page description of the ideal woman of of who he wanted to marry and it was details on details on personality and looks and everything else and then he said who does that woman want and i need to be that guy and then he found her so that's kind of a future self from from the outsider's point of view but you know that perfect woman for him does not want some loser who sits on the couch all day so he had to up his game because that quality of a woman wanted a quality guy and i thought i've always thought that's been an interesting story but you know and i think it sounds like you're a runner i've i've run a few marathons and when you're in hardcore marathon training all of a sudden you're not a television watcher because you don't have time especially when you have kids and a career and so you know when and and there are always people that say, "Oh, I could never run a marathon. I could never." Well, if your knees hold up, anybody in a year could struggle their way through a marathon <laughs> if you put the time into it. It may not. You know, people have different levels of ability, but the people that say, "I could never," it's true because they said it. So,
1: so you know, I, I actually I want to go back to what you were saying before about selling, and also with what you're talking about now, because what comes to my mind is alignment. Mm -hmm. And to your point, if you are not in alignment with selling something, then no, you're going to be really bad at it because you aren't going to have the confidence to do it. Likewise, if you want to run a marathon and you're not in alignment with it, like, you know, your analogy of, oh, I could never do that. You're not in alignment with it. And, you know, you're writing out your perfect dream spouse. You have to know whether or not you're in alignment with what she wants. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to literally be that person and I actually have just recently been engaged and um, this is what started Fearless Pursuits because you know I wasn't about to continue living a mediocre life anymore and I had to like really upset the apple cart I had to find that courage and be bold and like really screw up everything to go out and live my dreams and you know that began Fearless Pursuits because I realized I have to be responsible for my own future. I have to be responsible for my kids so they don't see the fighting anymore. They can realize that love and relationships and marriage can be beautiful. But in that relationship, I was not showing them. I was not showing them my best version. And so going on that journey, I knew even before I was divorced, it was a long separation that I wanted to have this special love the special relationship and it took me a really long time and I pretty much did what you were explaining with the, the list and all of that and who is it that I have to be and it took me a lot of years to move into that and once I finally did I was in alignment with meeting Michael and we met not quite two years ago and he asked me to marry him in December and he is is he is somebody who I probably could have ordered out of a catalog. He's that perfect <laughs> for me. And that's the thing because I actually did the exercise. I did that healing, that work that I had to do to move into my future self. That's how I am able to have the half a million dollar business too.
0: Right. No. Yeah. And <clears throat> you're in alignment with him and he's in alignment with you and, and, you know, you're serving each other's needs and it's not that, you know, it sounds like you're both quality and and not one who's kind of propping the other one up, which I think is a lot of a problem in a lot of relationships for sure. Mm, So tell me about Fearless Pursuits and and who you work with and how you work with them. And, and maybe even if you have some, some success stories on some of your clients.
1: So Fearless Pursuits was founded based off of A lifestyle, the lifestyle of being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it, knowing that you have to grow internally in order to do that. You have to have, as I've said before, higher standards. You have to have better habits, better routines, learn about some life hacks, you have a lot of energy, and and really understanding how to hack into your mind, and be an entrepreneur, because as I said before, there's a lot of nine-to-fivers out there who are, you know, they're miserable, they're, it's, they feel like they're in a soul-sucking career, Um, they don't understand that they need to invest you know to really be able to figure out how they're going to have the money someday when they retire to do what they want to do but i say Build your lifestyle around your business, around your career. That's that's really what Fearless Pursuits is all about. So I am a proponent of teaching women in particular how to be an entrepreneur, how to scale online. But I won't even work with anybody who isn't interested in upscaling their mind and their money mindset because they work together. You cannot have one without the other. Uh, Where We look at the top 1% and they always go back to the self-improvement of the mind and really understanding how to eliminate the money blocks. So these are my clients and, and I have clients that make more money than I do. And a lot of it starts off without doing any ads at all. It really has everything to do with being in alignment with what it is you're selling, why you're selling it, who you're selling it to. You know, there's layers upon layers of this. And when we can really narrow in on those layers, we can create the business that we want, fulfill ourselves and live a really passionate life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think pa- lack of passion is sad when you see <laughs> people o- over time that have a lack of passion. I think it is a very sad way to live. We, you know, we all have to earn a living and sometimes some, day, you know, you may have some days that are somewhat mundane, but if, but mm-hmm. if you're living a passionless life, uh, that, that definitely is not the way you want to go over, over time. So do you have uh, different types of programs? Do you do one-on-one coaching? Do you do groups or how does that part of your, or how do those parts of your business work?
1: So I believe, and I teach that you need to ha- be a little bit diversified. Obviously, if you're getting into business in the beginning, you don't, you know, you've got to narrow in and you've got to focus in on one thing and get that polish and, and really refine that. But over time, as what I've done, I do work one-on-one with clients because that's the fastest way to result. I have a mastermind right now. We're actually starting this year, 2020 this Friday on May 1st. So that's super exciting. It's a six-month-long mastermind. I have digital programs, the Sell with Soul program, um, little digital programs that are just kind of uh, niche-specific that help people learn how to do different things online, um, how to have their business online, um, mindset programs, and that sort of thing. My book is coming out. I'm super excited about within the next two months um and i have my podcast of course and my youtube channel
0: awesome no that is great stuff and how can how can anybody who's listening uh find you out there
1: well i'm most active on my personal facebook profile that's uh for sharon lee that's where i interact with a lot of people um i am on all social media profiles but i'm just more active there Uh, obviously my website fearlesspursuits.com and then um my podcasts really narrow in on a lot of these topics that we're talking about. Only I go really deep. So that's fearless pursuits, the breakthrough to success podcast.
0: Great. Great. So I'll put all of those uh, contact pieces in the show notes and, this was fascinating to me, and I love talking about the success mindset and, and what holds us back and what can, what can bring us to the next level. So this has been fascinating for me, and I'm, I'm really glad to uh, have had the opportunity to share this with you.
1: Well, David, it's been a pleasure and an honor that you shared me with your audience. So thank you. Well,
0: thank you. And I would love maybe, uh, you know, maybe to have you on the show again.
1: Terrific. I'd, I'd be happy to do that.
0: Okay. Good deal. Thank you. Well, Sharon sure did have some energy, didn't she? And you can see and hear the passion in her voice about uh, what she teaches. So if you are interested in learning more about Sharon Lee, uh, you can get go to her website, fearlesspursuits.com. You can search for her on Facebook, on Sharon Lee, or her podcast, and I'll put it in the show notes, Fearless Pursuits, The Breakthroughs to Success. And by the way, if you ever have any questions about your business or personal finances, uh, email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. I'll do the best I can to point you in the right direction. And until next week, we wish you many blessings. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completeness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.